everybody. Today, it's uh, great to be here to come together and to worship, and, and we're going to look at that, what it means kind of to be together, and, and we're jumping into uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verses um, 19 to 25, and, and in that, it's, it's, it's interesting because, first of all, it's actually just one big sentence, this, this whole paragraph, as, as we break out in, in English, it was actually written as one big sentence originally, and, and it's uh, <clears throat> built on the previous five chapters, so really... To, to kind of come into Hebrews chapter 10, if you read 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, and then the front part of 10, you get a sense of what is happening here in this sentence right here. It, it all hinges on everything that's been laid out, that Jesus is our great high priest. He has gone before us, that we can come before God because of what he has done for us, and, and everything rests on him. So, so we come in and, and we look at that, and we'll talk about that in the next few minutes, but um, then he comes in, he says, there's three, there are three applications to make because of that. Because of everything that Jesus is, because of who he is, because of what he has done, because of what, of what he is doing currently, these are the things that we are called to do. These are the things that, that we are encouraged to do. So we're going to look at those, and, um, and then we'll come back to them in, in a, for the next couple of weeks. But, but it's really a great look at, at who we are as the people of God. And it's also a great look at how God wants us to function as a body. So as we come into Hebrews chapter 10, it says, verse 19, it says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened up for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God. And then he's going to come in with these three applications. But let's stop right there and look at what this is, is talking about, this, this therefore. And, and the first thing is that coming into it is that we have access into the presence of God through Jesus. This is, this is the foundational thing coming in and, and that our access is based not upon who we are or what we've done, but it's based solely upon Jesus and what he did for us on the cross. So we can come in confidently. It says that, that, that we can come, we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Christ. So this confidence is based on the fact that we're citizens. If, if you have come to Christ, if you have given your life to Christ and received forgiveness of your sins and, and become a follower of Jesus, what he's saying is you're a citizen of the kingdom of God. You belong in the kingdom of God. You can confidently come before God. And this word confidence, or maybe, maybe um, in, in the translation you have reads boldness, what it is, it's, it's like a person who is a citizen in in a community, for instance, if you were to go, um, if there was a topic coming up in our community, in our borough, and you went to a borough meeting, you could stand and speak your piece to those people that sit as your representatives. And, and you could speak your piece. Now, it's going to break down a little bit as far as the, um, the <clears throat> analogy, because we don't have any right to tell God um, anything, you know, as far as, you know, this is what you have to do. But, but, um, but when you would come in, this is in, in their world in that day and time, this word was meant of a person of standing in the community. And they had the standing to come up and to speak 
publicly in the square and, and to be heard. And as a citizen of the kingdom of God, we are children of God and he calls us to come into his presence and, and to confidently speak to him, to confidently pour our hearts out to him and to know that we are not only um, his people, but that we are welcome in his presence. So our access is a gift of God and, and it's through the grace of God and it's something that we stand on confidently. In Ephesians 2.18, it says, For through Him, through Jesus, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So he says, through Jesus, we have access to the Father. We have access into the kingdom of God, into the presence of God, into the holy place of God through, um, through the Spirit and to the Father. And, and then um, in Romans 5, 2, it says, through Him, through Jesus, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So we have obtained this access by faith into the grace in which we stand. So we can come in and we have access to God. So we have access that's guaranteed. It's guaranteed not based upon what we have done. It's not guaranteed because we're a church. It's not guaranteed because we're Americans. It's not guaranteed on any other basis other than the work of Jesus. He is able to fully remove our sin. He is able to fully remove our shame. He is able to make us holy and righteous in the sight of God. So we don't come before God based upon our works or based upon our accomplishments or, or based upon our associations. We're based solely upon the work of Jesus. And it's through faith and grace that this happens. So he is able to fully remove our sin and shame and make us holy and righteous in the sight of God. In Hebrews 7, and I've talked about this in 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, in the front part of 10 is what this, this paragraph hinges on. In Hebrews 7, it says, The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he, but Jesus holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, Jesus is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. You see, in, in, the old, in the old days, in the Old Testament times, and he's writing to Jewish people here, this letter is to Jewish Christians. He said, look, we need to go back to our faith, this faith that's been passed down. It's our heritage. And understand that, that day after day, people would go to the temple. There would be a priest there. He would make sacrifices. He would place them on the altar. He would do sacrifices for sin, for guilt, for fellowship, um, for worship, several different types of offerings. But they would make these offerings and then at the end of the day, you'd have to start all over again. Because ultimately, those offerings, the blood of bulls and goats and lambs and dove and uh, you know, grain offerings, oil offerings, all those things, they really couldn't fully cleanse you. They couldn't cleanse your conscience because, you know, somewhere deep down in you go, you know what, I know I did this, but there's got to be more. There's got to be more. And, and so <clears throat> this would happen over and over and over and over again. And what the scriptures say in Hebrews is that Jesus, he made an offering once and he sat down. 
at the right hand of God. He was done. It was finished. When you said on the cross, it is finished, it's mean it's done. Everything that you've been looking at for centuries now, and you've been watching and seeing, it culminates in me. Now the picture is being made complete. And you understand that it is the grace of God that makes you whole. It's not your works. It's not what you do. It's not your church. It's not your family. It's not your grandpa. It's, it's not anybody other than Jesus. He has done it. He is the sacrifice that is able to fully cleanse us and make us whole. He's the one who makes us right with God. And it is Jesus and Jesus alone who does this. We'll come back to it in, in a moment when we talk about the confession of our hope. But in 1 Timothy 2, 5 and 6, it says, For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man, Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. So <clears throat> Jesus is the only one who can mediate for us between us and God. He is the one who makes us right with God. He is the one who gave himself up as the ultimate sacrifice for our sin. So this is what our confidence is based on. Our confidence is based upon Jesus. It's not based upon anything else. And, and I don't know about you, but that makes me feel really comfortable. Um, because I think about it and I think, you know what? I know what I do. I know what I'm capable of. I know what I've done. I, I know my strengths. I know my weaknesses. And ultimately, I don't think that they stack up quite big enough to make it good enough for God. So coming in, I know that Jesus, I know who he is and I know what he has done. So because of our access, because we have this access, he has three statements. He says, let us do these three things. And, and so the first one is because of our access, we're commanded to pray. He says, first of all, he said in verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So he says, let us draw near with a true heart and in full assurance of faith. So this drawing near, he says, let us draw near. This is, this is a phrase that's used throughout the Old Testament. The priest would draw near to God. They would draw near when they would come to make the sacrifices. They would come in and they would approach God with the sacrifice for worship. So when they would come in, for instance, the, the big one would be Leviticus chapter 16. It would be Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, the one day that the, the high priest, the one day of the year that he would go into the most holy place. He would go beyond the veil and into the very presence of, of the glory of God that was resting on the, the atonement cover, on the Ark of the, Ark of the Covenant that cover that was on it that would have these two winged creatures that spread from side to side. And he would come in and, and they would sacrifice a bull first. He'd start off, he'd sacrifice a bull for his sin and the sin of his family, the people he lived with. Then he would come in and he would make a sacrifice for the people. Then they would go in, he would go and he would wash and he would change his clothes and they would go in and, and come back and he would take this blood of a goat. They would take these two goats and they would they would slit the throat of, these, of, of one goat and they would take its blood and they would go sprinkle it on the atonement cover for the sins of the people. So he would go into the most holy place and there would be smoke and incense and everything happening in there and, and he would kind of be occluded from, from seeing God and, and seeing the presence. But he, but he would be in there and he would go in and then when he would come out after that was done, that was the one time of the year that he would make atonement for the sins of the people. One time a year, once a year. I mean, if you messed up on day two, you had to wait a whole year 
I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a big deal. And, and so they would take the other goat and send it out into a far lonely place. And, and there's, you know, we could go off on this and I'm not going to chase that rabbit trail right now. No, I'm not. Um, so, so I'll stay on task and, and go on. But, but here's the deal. This is the picture. This is the drawing near that we're talking about. It's drawing into the presence of God, coming into the very presence, into the very holy place of God and, and where He is. So it's coming before Him. And, and when we talk about coming before God and we come before Him um, <clears throat> in full and true heart and a full assurance of, of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, we'll come back and pick it up next week. But, um, but, but just let's stop there for a moment and, and talk about what it means is, is that we're coming before Him, and this includes prayer, in all other aspects of corporate worship. We're coming before Him in prayer. When you talk about coming before God, how do you come before God? In prayer. Um, it, it could be on your face. It could be on your feet. It could be on your knees. It, it could be any number of ways. But ultimately, when, when we say, let us draw near to God, we draw near to God through the Word of God and through prayer. That is how we do that. This is how we come in to His presence. And it also includes all other aspects of corporate worship. This morning, we have drawn near to God. We should understand that in this room, it's not the confines of the room, but it's the people of God gathered together saying, we have come into the presence of Almighty God because we believe that where two or three are gathered together, there He is in our midst, that Jesus is here in the room with us, and we have drawn near to Him. We have drawn near to Him with hearts of prayer and attitudes of worship for who He is and what He has done and for the privilege that we have to come before Him. So as we come in, we are commanded, let us draw near. We're commanded to pray. This is a command to prayer. And, and let's be honest with each other. You know what we think of prayer? We think of prayer as a private exercise, right? Prayer is something that I do. Prayer is something that I do in the morning. When I, when I uh, read my Bible and Scripture, I get up, I read the Scriptures, and I pray. But he's saying that this is also a corporate thing. It's not just a personal thing. It's a corporate thing. It's a group. Let us draw near together in prayer. In other words, saying that as we come together today, we sing songs, we pray together, that, that we pour our hearts out before God and so this drawing near is a theme that the author, he's, he's already developed throughout these chapters, but now he's coming in and he's, he's emphasizing it. He's saying, look, because of everything that I've told you about Jesus, our great high priest, get together, get together and pray together, get together and worship together. Make this a corporate thing that you are doing. And it's through the Holy Spirit and the word of God that we're made, made clean and able to draw near. And, and I'm going to boil that down and just say, you know, the, the heart sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and, and our bodies washed with pure water. It's the Holy Spirit and the Word of God who do this for us. That, that's the place and that's the how as you come and, and you study it. So in Hebrews 4.16, it says, Let us then with confidence, there's that confident word again, draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You see, we can draw near because Jesus has cleansed us by His blood. That's why we can draw near. We can't draw near on any other basis. And it's a finished work, and it was accomplished without us. It was accomplished apart from us. It was accomplished in spite of us. And, and it was also accomplished 
for us. This is what Jesus did for us so that we could be made right. We could be restored with him through faith. And, and so this true heart and full assurance of faith, that, that part of it, though, it's all on us. See, Jesus cleanses us and makes us whole again. But having a true heart and full assurance of faith, that's on me. That's my part. And when I said that we're made right with God through Jesus, not on anything we do, absolutely. We're absolutely saved by grace through faith. But when we're saved by grace through faith, we are saved to works. We are saved to be different. We are saved to be made different. I mean, when people look at Christians, the, the thing that, that draws people to Christ is Christ-like people. It's not people who, who proclaim Jesus yet live something else. When we proclaim Jesus and, and do something else, it just says that we're liars. That's all that says. Nobody's drawn to that. People are drawn to, to people who exhibit Christ-likeness and love, and, and they live the Word of God, and, and they show that to people around them. And that's having a heart sprinkle. That, that is coming near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. It's saying, I stand firm on this stuff. My heart is right with my God, and I am sold out to Him. And, and I can stand firmly on this and come into His presence. And, and that's the part we bring to worship when we come together. We come in here going, you know what? I did blow it this week. I did. I I, I do have things that um, that 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 I'm not so proud of. But you know what? What Jesus did covered it, and I'm going to do my best not to do it again because I have a true heart, and I can stand before Him. I have full assurance in my faith. I know that God's not going to leave me. He's not going to kick me out. He's not going to kick me out of the family. Um, that that He is all in on me. He went all in for me and that he will stay with me and, and continue to work in me and change me and build me up and strengthen me to draw me into his presence. So Jesus has made it possible for us to worship and he's made it possible for us to come into the presence of God corporately and privately to pour out our concerns to him. And if it's all personal, we lose that aspect of it. We lose the congregational part of it. So as we come in and, and we come together, it's so that we can encourage one another, to strengthen one another, to build one another up, to pray for those who are hurting, to encourage those who are down, to help those who need help, and, and to, to celebrate with those who are celebrating. And, and it moves us to this congregational aspect, to this family aspect, whether, rather than a solo aspect, uh, personal, uh, private, solitary thing, because our faith was never meant to be a solitary thing. It was meant to be a thing that we celebrate together. So this is a plural gathering and a plural prayer that he's talking about. He said, let us draw near with, true, with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And then the second thing, because we because of our access, we're commanded to stand firm. We're commanded to stand firm. He says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. So let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, because he who promised is faithful. What is this confession? What, what, what is the confession of our hope? What, you know, when we talk about that, we say, well, what did I confess? Our confession is basically what, what we would call basic 
the basic Christian doctrine of Jesus or the basic Christian truth about Jesus. Who is Jesus? This is, this is what he's saying. Hold fast to the confession of our hope. These people had a confession of faith that they would verbally say. They would say, you know, we believe that Jesus is the sinless son of God. He was born of a virgin. He lived a, a perfect life. He died on the cross. On the cross, he bore the penalty for my sin and shame. He took it upon himself and he offers, my, he offers me his righteousness and holiness before God. And he rose from the grave on the third day and he ascended to the right hand of God and he is coming again. And, and so that would be the very basic confession of the Christian faith that there is salvation in no other name but Jesus, that we are made right with God through him. When we confess our sin and guilt to him and ask for him to be the Lord, the master of our lives, that's when it comes down. That is the basic Christian confession. That's it. That's the essence of Christianity. He said, you got to hold fast to that. As a matter of fact, you know, if, if somebody doesn't hold to that, they're not a Christian. You can't deny that. You can't deny any of those handful of things and be a Christian. You can't deny that Jesus is God in the flesh and be a Christian. You can't deny that Jesus died on a cross and rose from the grave and be a Christian. It's not, it's not possible according to the scriptures. It's just these are just basic doctrine, basic rock-solid foundational beliefs in Christianity. You can have a lot of different beliefs about a lot of different things and, and understandings and, and stuff in the Bible. I mean, if, if you don't you know, think that, just go home and, and talk to your family about a, a few different topics and how the Bible relates to them, and you're going to find out that you have a little different understanding on some things. It's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just the way it is. Um, but, but when you come down to the very essence of it, you can't vary. You cannot move. And he said, you've got to hold fast to this basic confession that Jesus is our great high priest. There is no other. And this is who he is and what he's done. So um, that's our confession. And, and uh, um, we are waiting expectantly on his return. You know, Pastor Greg, he did a great job with that when he, when he talked about it. And by the way, I was very grateful that he did 2 Peter because I look at 2 Peter and I go, man, there's some weird stuff in here. Um, and uh, I'm glad Greg likes weird stuff and, and doing that because he's good at it. You know, I mean, he's smart. And uh, so, so I, uh, I will gladly say I'll let the smart guy take care of that and, uh, and go. But, um, but, but anyway, as, as we come in in Hebrews 4.14, it says, Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. In other words, Jesus, he's gone before us and he's done it and he sat down at the right hand of God. It's finished. In 1 Thessalonians 5.24, it says, He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. I love that verse of Scripture. I love 1 Thessalonians 5.24. I mean, I, I, it's something that, that I anchor myself to because it says, you know what? Whatever God calls you to do, He's faithful. He is faithful. And he will come through. Whatever God calls you to do, when you come down to it and you line it up with the word of God and, and you line it up in prayer and you line it up with the people of God, what he says is he will make it happen. He will do it. He's faithful. That's, that's who he is. You see, God is with us. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. His son Jesus will return for us. He promises to keep us 
until that day, he promises to be with us. He promises to strengthen us and, and, and speak to us. And we can stand firm on that. Even in the middle of everything going on in our world today, we can stand firm on the fact that Jesus is on the throne. He is there. He has completed the work of salvation. He has done everything, and he always will be. He will be there pleading our cause before God. He is our great high priest. He is our advocate. He is the intermediary between us and God. He is the one who says, no, they belong to me. That one's mine. That one's mine. That one's mine. And, and that's, that's where he is. And, and so as we come in, we can know that, that we can stand firm without wavering on the confession of our hope. This is what he is calling us to do. So as we do that and we talk about this and we're getting ready to move into the part of, he said, let us not forsake the gathering together or meeting together, the together aspect of it. Um, we had a church camp out Friday night and I got some pictures up there. Or actually, Nathan's going to throw them up there. But that was kind of when people were kind of coming in, getting ready. Beautiful night out at Hidden Lake. And then there's a couple others. And, you go, and uh, that's Daniel Moore. Daniel did a, a great job speaking at, at that service there as we worshiped. We had music and then Daniel spoke and Challenge just did a really really good job of, of just reminding the stuff that we're talking about right here this morning, that Jesus, is, he is the king. The king is on the throne and the king is always going to be the king. And, and that's what we can trust and know that no matter what goes on in our world, that, that God is in control and Jesus is on the throne. He is on the throne and he'll always be there for us. And then we got, I think, one more. And, and this is probably the one that we think of the most because we can't get together without eating, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and uh, the, the fellowship team, they did a great job of putting together some food. We had, uh, we had moose meat, kielbasa, which I had to have that explain to me what kielbasa was. I'm not quite that sophisticated. But, uh, <clears throat> but anyway, it tastes good. And, uh, um, you know, it's just sausage. But uh, I, I understand sausage. But, but anyway, um, we, uh, they didn't use that word in Texas. Um, but uh, so that's where I kind of learned English. Um, so anyway, we had a great time. We got together, we had fun, and we joined together. And, and it was a really good time as we came together. And it says in verse 24, um, it says, And let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So <clears throat> the final thing is to provoke one another to love and good works. That we're called to provoke one another or to stir one another up. Your, your translation may say provoke. You know, I think about provoking, provocation. Um, that, that's an interesting word, isn't it? You know, to provoke one another. Um, but, but we're called to provoke one another. And sometimes that means that we got to prod one another and, and just say, hey, get with it. You know, we, we got to come in. But it, but it requires that we get together and that we encourage one another. This, this means that we have to come together and we have to encourage one another. And this is sprinkled throughout this letter, throughout this letter of Hebrews. In Hebrews 6.10, for instance, it says, For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints as you still do. And in other words, the writer in, in the middle of all of it, he's saying, Look, don't think that God's not seeing what's going on. 
You, know, you, you may think, you know what, I'm trying to do the right thing. I'm doing the right thing. I'm doing what God's called me to do. I'm being faithful to his word. And, and it's just not happening. Why? Why? Why am I not seeing results? Why am I not seeing um, the, the prayer that I'm praying over and over and over again? I'm praying for my neighbor to come to Christ. Yet the more I try, the more I try, the more, the more they're repelled by the message of the gospel. Why? He says, you know what? Don't worry about it. God is not unjust. And he's not overlooking that. As a matter of fact, he's probably working right in that very situation and, and doing what he can to draw that person to himself. But, um, but he's saying that, that God is seeing the work that we do to serve one another. Um, and, and he is not overlooking that. In Hebrews 3.13, it says, but exert one another. Exert. Exhort. I need to put my glasses on. But exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So it's saying that as we come together and, and we, we, um, <clears throat> we provoke one another towards love and good deeds or stir one another up toward love and good deeds, it's saying that we are, are calling one another out so their hearts aren't hardened. So that when we, when we look at one another and we see things in our lives and go, you know what? I'm seeing an attitude creep in right here that, that you need to be aware of. You need to think about that. Where's it going to lead you? What's happening? Or, or maybe, um, maybe I see that you're just a little bit sensitive. And, and why is that? What, what's the issue here? What's underlying? And, and where is it and why? Why? It's, it's exhorting one another. And, and it's coming on so that we're not hardened in our sins so that, that we have a role to play to encourage one another and, and to build one another up. And in order to do that, we have to get together. We have to be together. So as we come in, I mean, that was what we did this weekend. Camp, not everybody camped out. Some of us did. And, um, and, and, and I found that church campouts are a whole lot better with a camper with a heater in it. So I'll just throw that out there. You know, there are the tough people who tend it out, but, um, but, you know, when it drops down to 25 degrees, I found that a heater is really a nice thing to have. So um, it took me a long time to realize that. But, but anyway, the, this, this uh, getting together part, it's been tough for the last few months, hasn't it? I mean, it's really been a difficult thing to do. It's been a hard thing to do. And, and it began with this complete shift to virtual church. And I, I want to say this right, but I just don't know how to say it other than to say there's no such thing. You know, it's like if, if you live, if you live virtually online, we need people with flesh and blood. You know, Facebook, Facebook's not your friend. Um, you know, I mean, I don't know how to say it. You know, it's just, it's just uh, you need real friends, not virtual friends. You need real friends with real faces, with real hands and feet who can be there for you and, and can stir you up to love and good deeds. And, and it's been really hard. And I say that, I mean, I'm so grateful that we had the option of, of doing that, but it's never been a long-term solution. It is a very viable solution, and, and we should praise God that we have the solution, and we've gone all in on it. 
we have gone all in because we still have some people that they can't come. I mean, they can't. And, and we've done our best. We've done our dead level best. I mean, we put in, you know, <clears throat> good camera on the back wall there to videotape stuff. Or we don't tape anything anymore. Um, see, it's, I, I, yeah, I'm a relic. Um, <clears throat> but uh, we, 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 whatever you call it, it's digital. We digitally... We digitally record this and we stream it, yes. But it's also digitally stored in the cloud. And I understand all this stuff. I'm not, I'm not dumb, I understand all of it. But um, I can tell you all about it because I've spent countless hours, countless hours, learning about all different kinds of stuff. And I've had other people, there have been other people who have spent countless hours in, in trying to go. And when we first came into it, Pastor Greg, man, he, he absolutely spent a ton of time getting us up and running on the run. I mean, fast. And, um, and, and um, our daughter, Hannah, she spent a lot of time figuring out some different platforms and stuff so that we could um, have the interface and everything and doing that. So, so we had a lot of people spend a whole lot. And there were other people. People came down here and, and, and did a whole lot. Um, there was just a whole lot. But, but um, this shift has had its challenges. And we're going to do the very best we can for a stream, a live stream, because it's important. It's important for those in our church family who are not able to be here. And we can still call them and talk to them and, and go visit. And, and that's an important, vital part of who we are. It let us consider how to stir one another up to loving good works and not neglecting to meet together. So we just got to figure out creative ways to do that because God has called us to do it. But um, the first time that we got together after all that shutdown was for a drive-in worship service. We did a drive-in worship service out here in the parking lot. And, and I'll just tell you the technology was, was less than stellar. But, um, but we learned some things from it. And... Uh, what was amazing was how people responded. It, it was an amazing thing, just how people said, this is so good. It's just so, even if I can just be a few feet away and see, see people I know in the car, it's just, there's something that feels right about seeing the people I know and love. And, and then I had, I had people say, you know what? I will never complain again about going to church. Even my kids don't complain. You know, they, they even, you know, and, and um, I'll say on that one, I'll move that never to give it a year. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. But, uh, but it was, it just, it, just, it, it, it just drove home the fact that God meant for us. He meant for us to corporately be a part of one another's lives. And, and this is what he is, um, he is driving at in this. So it's been a great reminder of how important it is to be together as a church family, and, and that we have access into the very presence of God through Jesus. I mean, uh, and, and we're called to pray and worship together, to stand firm on the foundation of Jesus as taught in his word, and to provoke one another to, to good works. And, and all of this stuff is a group thing. It's all a group thing. It's all a, it's all a body thing. It's all a church thing. It's all a church family thing. And, and I know, like I said, there's some who can't be with us right now, but they will be eventually. They'll be back, and um, this will pass. And, and as we come in, um, you know, we, we want 
to make sure that we continue to offer options for everyone. And, and that's what, you know, we come in, we did a mask, the first service with masks. And I know, you know what, I, I understand um, some people, uh, they, they're, they're coming now that weren't coming before. There's some, we have some folks who have not been in church since all this happened, and they've come, and, and here's their thing. And, and their, 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 uh, their response was this, thank you so much. Thank you so much. We've wanted to come, but we just didn't feel like it was, com- it was safe for us to be here. And we want this to be a safe place. And, and I applaud all of you. I applaud, I mean, I really, I'm, I'm so thankful for everybody in our church family because what can be very contentious, I feel like has been very unifying. It's been something where we come in and we say, you know what, we don't always agree. We don't always agree on everything. We don't always see things eye to eye, but, but there are a handful of things that, that we absolutely agree on, and that's the foundation of the confession of our faith, and nothing will stir us on that, and that is our commitment to our God and to one another in love. And, and so that's where it is, and, and I come down, and I've never been more proud to be a part of a church than I am now. I mean, never. And, and I just feel like um, in, in something that could be very, very divisive and very... Um, <clears throat> very contentious. It's, it's been really good. You know, I've got, I've got two brothers, and, I, and I'll tell you something. We have provoked one another throughout our lives, and it's not to love and good works. Um, <clears throat> you know, when, when we were kids, um, you know, I, I heard this phrase, I am going to skin you boys alive if you don't quit. And, and, you know, I don't know what that says about my mom or my dad, that, you know, they were terrible people, but I think it was hyperbole, I'm pretty sure. But, but I took it pretty literal. And, and I knew that um, I knew what was coming next. So I, I knew not to, but we provoked each other all the time. But um, we're called to provoke each other in a different way. And, and uh, we, we do that as adults. You know, we, we come in and, and um, sometimes we don't agree on things. There are things I don't agree with with my brothers. And, and, uh, and, and we go at it every now and then. But I want to tell you something. At the end of the day, there's nothing either, any of us wouldn't do for the other one. Not a thing. They'd be here for me. I'd be there for them. That's the way it is. And that's what it's like to be a part of a church family, right? Sometimes we disagree on, on uh, preferences and, and so forth, but, but when it comes in, it's that coming into this foundational thing of, of knowing, and, and this is what makes the church different, is that we have this great understanding of who we are in Christ Jesus, and we have a mission that's greater than us, and we have a purpose and a place here, and we can come in, and, and we just know that when it comes down to it, we're all for Jesus, and we're all for one another, and, and that's, that's the way it is, so as we come in, <clears throat> you know, I want to encourage you to be a part, be a part of a group, if you're not in a small group, join one, we got several that are going, that are, that are just kicking off right now, if you've never been in one, I want to invite you to be a part of that, I've made some really good friendships through small groups, and, um, and it's a time where you can come together and, and share things face-to-face in, in, a, in a group of people that you couldn't do in this room and, um, and have people who will pray for you together, encourage you, strengthen you, and help you to grow in your faith and, and to uh, be with you. And if, um, for those of you online we're, who are still in the streamed service, um, Pastor Greg has said that he will lead a virtual group. He'll lead a Zoom group. And um, that, that that option is there. We want to make sure that we have an option for everyone. So that, that option will also be there. You just need to let us know if, if you're interested in that. But um, 
in that, uh, the Christian life coming down to it in this passage, it's a family life. It's a body life. It's a together life. It's something we do together. And sometimes it's uh, difficult. Sometimes it's messy. Sometimes we try to figure out things as we go along. But ultimately, there's some things that we know and that we stand rock solid on. And that is that we stand on the word of God. We stand on the person of Jesus. And we know that we have a hope that's built on him and absolutely nothing less. And, and so that's where we're going. And, and, and like I say, I couldn't be more proud. I couldn't be more proud to be a part of a church family than I am of this one. Because you guys are good people. It's a good church. It's, it's, um, <clears throat> it's a lot. And you know what? We have a whole lot. We have a whole lot coming <clears throat> before us. So um, I want to encourage you to pray about you know what God's doing in your life and the lives of the people around you, and and how can you be a part of of the lives of the people within our church? Let's pray, Father. We come before you and we thank you for the blessings that you poured out on us. Father, we thank you most of all that we do have a great High Priest Jesus, who has gone to the very depths of hell with our sin and taken our shame and our suffering and, and, and bore it all and conquered sin and death and rose from the grave and he promises us life. And he gives us his righteousness and offers us an opportunity to come before you at any time. Father, we thank you so much for the full access that we have to you. And we pray, Father, that you would help us to love you more, to grow in our faith, to love each other, and to look at the implications of our faith into the things that we do. And Father, we pray all of this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand as Kenny leads us?
Kaplan, I'm Kayla. Welcome to Pellich Heights. If you are new here, we are so glad you decided to join us today. If you would like to stay in the loop, you can subscribe to our email update list at bit.ly chbcconnect. Parents, our kids' Sunday school classes are doing a canned food drive competition to see which class can bring in the most items for the food bank in the month of September. We will have a Sunday school celebration on October 4th for the class that wins, so bring in those cans. We are kicking off fall small groups this week. Small groups are the lifeblood of our church community. If you would like more info on joining a small group, please talk to Pastor Greg. Our deacons are undertaking a new church directory project. They would love to put together an up-to-date list of the folks that make up our church family. Please send a family photo in front of a plain white wall along with your phone, email, and mailing address to Dave Peterson at 953-6883. As always, you can find all this info and more on our Facebook page or our website, collegeheightsbc.net. Have a great week. All right, let's uh, close now in word prayer. Daniel, would you lead us?